Welcome to a special episode of the podcast ministry of New Philadelphia Nazarene. Today I'll be sitting down with Pastor Dave Lutz, who is the District Superintendent of the East Ohio District, and we are going to be discussing the road ahead, guidelines for churches as they seek to reopen their doors. In today's discussion, you will hear us refer to several different resources that are available to all pastors and church leaders. You can find those resources listed in today's show notes. Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm so glad you joined us for this today. Uh, I'm here today with uh, Pastor Dave Lutz, who is the District Superintendent for the East Ohio District. We want to take just a few moments today to kind of talk about some of the guidelines for reopening for our churches here in East Ohio and for any other churches that may uh, tune in to listen to this today. Maybe some general ideas and some thoughts as we seek to open, uh, not even post-corona, but you know, as we phase back into things. So uh, I'm going to hand things over to Dave here and let him talk a little bit. But uh, pastors, as you're listening today, uh, understand that some of the things we're going to be talking about may not apply to every single situation. And so you're going to have to take some of the things we're saying today and tailor them just a little bit for your own church. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, get right into it, Dave. And, and let's talk about what, what, is our, what is our goal here as churches? Thanks, Pastor Mark. I think the important thing is, is we think about like our goals and where we are headed is we realize that, that our normal is not going to be what our normal was at the beginning of March. And as we're thinking about opening our churches back up and, and resuming live worship and being into this, if your idea is, hey, we're going to be back to like things were on March 1st, that is not the goal. That is not how things should look by any stretch of the imagination. There are so many details that we need to think through to be able to, number one, keep people safe, but also to help them experience um, uh, the presence of God when we're together in our worship services. So number one goal, do not think we're returning back to the way things were March 1st. Right. And one of the things we talked about earlier was that you know, so there's a lot of things that happen in the normal, uh, whatever normal is, but there's a lot of things that happen normally in the life of the church. And, and one of the real serious questions we have to ask ourselves is, what from what we were doing before needs to die and what needs to continue to live? So let's talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're sitting here at the front of your sanctuary, Pastor Mark, and, and there are, um, I, I mean, normally we just... It's, it's routine, and it's normal how we come in. But we have to think through every single thing from as people pull into the parking lot, they come in the front doors, they're sitting in the, uh, in the worship service, um, the worship service is happening till they leave. And, and um, I, that's a good way to say it. There's things that need to live, and there's things that need to die. I would encourage every pastor to do this. This would be a, a great exercise. Um, get yourself a legal pad. Get yourself some paper, and then start on the street outside your church. Put yourself in the mindset of a, of a typical uh, person that attends your church. Um, where do they pull into the parking lot? Where are they going to park um, when they come in? Let me, let me just walk through a few of those things. If your church has multiple entrances, do you want people coming in all of those entrances like they have in the past? Or do you need to limit that? Um, we see this when we go to the grocery store. If you go to Walmart, they've, they've um, 
they've thought through these things where, where the Walmart where I live, there's one door you're able to go in. That's it. And then there's one door you're able to exit. So again, I go to that point. Um, how do you want to use your, your entrances? And, and if you have multiple entrances and there's only one, how do you mark that entrance that this is the place you need to come in? Is there signage? Do you put up balloons? There's different things that you could do to mark this is the entrance um, for when you come in. And then as you do come in, Again, put yourself, as you walk in, do, should the doors be open? Do you need to have them propped open? Because every place multiple people touch uh, could be a point where someone, someone gets sick uh, from that spot. So do you have the doors open, and do they come in? Um, think through things like where normally if you have a greeter who hands out a bulletin, uh, is that something you want to do? Um, is there a time we, we don't have bulletins? Because you think, of again, of the multiple hands that, that that piece of paper would go through. You may not want to do those. Um, if you've got greeters by the door, then you have other people walking within about two feet from them. Um, is that something that, that's wise to do? Um, let, let's just continue through that. Then someone comes into the formula, for, foyer. What normally happens in the foyer? That's where we stand around and we talk to each other and, and we catch up on our week. Um, do we want that to happen? No, we don't. We want people to come through the foyer and to be seated. If you've got um, coffee stations or cafes, is that something that you want to have open? My, my thought would be no. That's not something we want to do now. Um, or if it is, it's going to need to look significantly different than it currently does. Now, again, think about that. When, when I go to different services, one of the things that often happens is, is, again, we're gathered in the foyer or we're gathered in the, in the central row. People stand and they talk. Um, that's going to need to look differently where we don't have these huddles of, you know, six people, 10 people just talking. Um, we want them to be socially distanced. Um, uh, where do they sit? Uh, here in, in, your sanctuary, Pastor Mark, with chairs, you're able to empty out some of the chairs and do that. If you've got pews, how do you how do you mark? How do you give people the cues? These are the places we want you to sit. That we want you to be social distance. I think one of the things that we need to think through this is we've got to be very intentional and direct. We have to communicate people and give them directions in in what to do as they're coming in. So if we go back. Um originally stating so the goal for us here is we want to get our congregations back to the place where they can be meeting again correct that's that's our goal we want to be meeting to get again together as churches that's the goal but safety for the first time maybe ever we have to be thinking about safety in ways we haven't thought about safety we've thought about safety in the sense of you know the whole active shooter thing and, and having safety and security on the campus, but this is a whole nother degree of safety. And so going back to what you were saying, that you know, taking a walk through your campus and, and making determinations, listen, my goal as pastor is to keep my people safe. And so as I go down that, that, that checklist of all the things that we might normally do, this is where we start to get into some of the live or die things, you know, the bulletin, you mentioned the bulletin. Uh, and and, and I, sh- I would also insert this here. This doesn't mean that it's dead forever. Um, you know, Correct. the things that we're Correct. going to kill off for a season do, do not mean they're... I, one of the things we've decided here is we're not going to pass the offering plate. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the reason mm-hmm. is is because you're talking about multiple exchange in hands. Well, we can very easily receive offering in a, in a giving box or in some other method. Right. And so there are certain things that you may kill off for a season. Uh, that, 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 or there may be things you look at down the road and say, listen, you know what? This does not need to be a part of what we do every weekend any, any longer. But so the goal, number one, is, is to get back in church. Are there any other goals that you can think of there? Well, and even with what you said there, um, if you look at the current stay-at-home order that, that comes from our state, I mean, if you go onto the state's website and go to that order, it's about 14 pages. And it tells you the things that are essential, the things that are not essential. Um, but down about page 10, I, I appreciate, there's a little section, and it's almost like the purpose of all these things. And it's like the purpose of all of this is to keep people safe and healthy. So some of us like rules, some of us like bullet points where we can say, do this, don't do this. But it kind of gets back to that common sense. We are just trying to keep people healthy. And, and when you think of everything that you're doing, should we this or should we that? And I know people will say, well, we've never done it this way or we've always done it this. But you've got to ask that question, is this keeping people safe? Is it keeping keeping people healthy. And we make those decisions about whether or not someone, something should live or die, you know, based on that. I think we also need to think, Pastor Mark, there's, there's a lot of, um, again, going back to the things we normally do as church. What about your children's ministry? What about your teen ministry? What about, um, you know, the nursery? How do we, how do we handle all of those things? I think, um, um, again, I, I would go back to some of what you said. All of our churches, based on size or location, we have unique context of that. So I'm, I'm not sure I would say every church should, but every church should at least be thinking through these things. How do we keep people safe? How do we keep them? And if we can't keep our children safe and healthy um, in children's ministries, then, then we ought to think about, you know, for a time, we can't do this. I think sometimes our tendency to, is to say, well, it's not that big a deal. Uh, I, I even want, find myself wanting to say that, well, it's not that big a deal. But that can't be the way we approach this as leaders. It needs to be, can I ensure a reasonable level of safety? And so, and, and so I think this applies no matter what size church you are. If you have a children's ministry and your children are normally going to children's church, if you have a nursery and you normally have uh, you know, nursery workers and that sort of thing, the question has to be, can I assure a certain level of safety? And, and I think it's going to be very challenging for most any church ministry to say, yes, with children's church, with children's ministry, with nursery ministry, I can ensure uh, you know, a certain level of safety. I think that's going to be very, very challenging. Absolutely. I, you know, another one of these issues, we often think about getting people into the building. Let's also think about getting them out of the building. Uh, how do we dismiss people in a, in a way that keeps them safe that we don't have? I mean, let's say we get to a point where we're having groups of 50, let's say, and you've got 50 in your sanctuary where 50 people are coming into the aisles at the same time. Um, we might have to be, again, just so much more intentional that, hey, we're going to dismiss from the rear of the, of the sanctuary and, um, you know, think of it more like how a wedding or a funeral might dismiss and, and help people get out. Because, again, we're trying to keep people safe. We're trying to keep them healthy. So let's, let's talk about, we're kind of already started to venture into this, but let's talk about some of the very, very basic and practical things. So let's, let's start with, like, doors, Okay. You know, many of us on Sunday mornings will have greeters at our doors, 
and the greeters are opening the doors for the guests as they come in. And as you mentioned earlier, they're passing within a couple of feet of one another. Uh, many times they're handing them a bulletin. In regard to doors, what would probably just be some good practices for us during this season? I think is, is we're fortunate, you know, we're going to be moving into May. So we have a different season as far as temperatures. And, and is, if doors can be open that allow people to come in. I mean, that would be absolutely the, the best thing. I know anywhere I go, I try to limit what I touch. Um, if I'm going into a store, the grocery store, I don't want to touch the doors. I don't, I don't just, you know, touch products. So I think if we can have doors open and allow people just to come in, and then if there is an assigned person who may, you know, and I'm pointing here because at the back of our sanctuary here, there are, there are two doors. We close those doors, and when I say we, there would be a person assigned to do that. That would be the, um, the, the best procedure. Almost like having an usher for each. You know, this is where your ushers are going to become really, really important because oh you're not passing an offering plate. You're, hopefully, you're not passing communion plates. So ushers can really help with things like, you know, they can be the one standing there, and if that's your usher's job, their job with a glove on, is to open and close that door. That's all they do that Sunday morning. That's right. So that, that's a valuable thing. Okay, so that's great for doors, whether that be interior doors or exterior doors. Let's talk about greeters, uh, kind of along the same lines, but um, can the function of greeters still happen? And if so, what would that look like? That's a great question. Why do we have greeters in the first place? We, we want people to feel welcome. Um, I think that, again, before all of this hit, kind of the experience that we're trying to create on a Sunday morning is different. We're glad you're here. Welcome. Um, is, is that, do, do, if you're coming into a church, do you want that person there? Um, I'm not sure I do. Uh, I appreciate that you want to make me feel welcome, but I want you to keep your distance. So probably in, in most situations with most churches, there's going to be a way that you can do this, especially if you're propping doors open, if you're able to do that. There's going to be a way that, that a greeter can be there with a proper social distancing in place um, to welcome people. And also, you know, you may, the greeter also serves another purpose. They become an usher of sorts, guiding people, you know, please, you know, please head on right in there. And, and they're setting the pattern. So one of the things we talked about earlier was, for instance, masks. You know, depending on where we are and what the what our governor is suggesting at this point, when we begin to gather together again, if masks are still a part of that, if they're still saying we need to wear masks, that's a great place to start that precedent. When they come right. to the door, they see their greeter wearing a mask. Right. I I would say this too. Um, the first Sunday is probably by far is going to be the most difficult because as people come back to church, we all know things are going to be different, but we don't know how. In what way? What changes have been made? And I think it's it's very important that the first Sunday we get these changes right. Because as people learn on the first Sunday that they come in, this is what's acceptable. People are wearing masks. This is what it's going to look like here. This is what, you know, we, we're going to learn that. And then following that, the next Sundays, we're going we're gonna to continue to live in those patterns. If we start out well with good practices, it's going to make week two, week three, week four so much easier than if we don't have this handled and then we're spending the next month trying to correct things that we didn't think through at the very beginning. Let's talk about restrooms. 
This is this is a this is an issue that we've been kind of wrestling with here with our team. Well, you know, what do you do for for restrooms? What's our first purpose? We want to keep people safe. Yeah. We want right. to keep them healthy. Um, um, I'll, I'll just say I'll, I'll say you know what we have been talking about here, and no firm decisions have been made. But one of the possibilities we have considered is just saying, listen, we don't have restrooms available. Back when we were considering doing drive-in church uh, uh, a month or so ago, uh, one of the aspects of that was there would be no restrooms available. So you need to, you know, go to the restroom before you come to church. But another key aspect of that, I think this is important, when we come back, church probably doesn't need to be an hour and a half long. You might want to really think about condensing your service. Like we have really focused on condensing our service to right about one hour max. Um, and so, especially if you're going to have people come onto your campus and say there are no restrooms available, if that's the option you choose, because here's the reality: if you if you do make your restrooms available, now you have to ask yourself the, this question in regards to safety: what needs to happen so that these restrooms stay safe? And depending on the number of restrooms you have, you know how you're going to lay that out. That could become quite a burden. I, you know, it's funny, and, and why I paused when you first asked that is I just thought how different our, our life is. Um, you know, Janet and I, our kids are grown, but when our kids were small, you have small kids, you know, what's one of the things before you leave? Has everybody gone to the bathroom? And they still have to go five minutes later. <laughs> you know, you have those kind of, um, we, we do that now. If we're going to the grocery store, I'm like, I need to go to the bathroom before we leave because when I'm out, I don't want to go to the restroom you know, at Walmart or one of those other places, I don't want to do that. I don't feel safe doing that. Um, so I, I want to, and I think that as we, as people are coming back to church, hopefully the majority of people are, are in that kind of mindset. But there might be, again, other people, I think we need to communicate to them, hey, this is what you can expect when you get here. Um, our restrooms are closed. Um, make sure that you went to the bathroom. And I do understand that there are special circumstances. There's elderly or, or there can be situations. Um, but I think, that, I think that's a very good point too, Pastor Mark, about 90-minute church services. We need to think through some of those things to right. help people. And one of the factors too, because we've talked about that as well, so you're, you're correct. Some of your senior adults um, having restrooms available is going to be an issue for them perhaps and for small children. But the other factor there that I think is a very much a reality is that some of those people may not come at first. They may True. not come in some of those first few phases where we're able to meet together again. They may desire to stay home. And so uh, that may not be as much of an issue as we think it is, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, but I think, you know, this, is, this may be better suited towards the end of our conversation, but I just want to interject this here. I think that as a pastor, when your church hears that your number one desire is to keep them safe, this is not about controlling people or limiting their fun. This is about we want to keep you safe, that there's, there's going to be a much greater willingness to, to adhere to some of the guidelines. And we also know and we believe that these are not, this is not forever. We're not ever going to open our restrooms up again. Correct. This is just for now. You, you know, and, and here's probably, let me, let me say this. This is probably maybe into the meddling part. Um, with Janet and I, we're in a different service in a different church every week. So we're in a lot of different places. And we enjoy the services. But um, in many services, there's about 20 minutes that just doesn't need to be there. Um, 
when we get up to greet people, um, that can often be three minutes. Does, does it need to be three minutes? It could be 20 seconds. Uh, transition times and whatever. There is, in many of our services, there's about 20 minutes that if we looked at it, we could tighten it up. Um, kind of what I'm doing now, I can take a 15-second or a 15 second point and stretch it into three minutes. Pastors, tighten that up. It's important to do that. I think that that's going to help in, in some of the way we do that. So that goes back to just examining. I mean, we we're talking about facilities, but also your service, looking at those things and saying, what part of our service um, needs to shift? Um, what, what needs to, you know, again, what needs to live and what needs to die? We have found it to be very freeing for us here because we did go through that when we began uh, to, to solely stream our services online. And the goal was to have it done in 16 minutes or less. less. And so what we, you know, there are things that we cut. And, and some of those things, and again, I, I, it's not, I don't want to be meddling, but some of those things are the kind of sacred cows in our churches. Well, we have to have this, and we have to that. I mean, we say five minutes not passing the offering plate every Sunday, yeah. you know. And well, we, you know, we did this one time in church, and we, we, we taped our service, and then I sat down, and I went through, and I just, you know, timed every single thing. And because we were, you know, we're, we're just going long, and, it, and it's, you know, I had to talk to a staff member. I was like, you spent four minutes introducing prayer time. Yeah four minutes. And then you prayed for four minutes. So what we planned for a three-minute prayer time went eight. And, and again, I understand that in the time, and there's, there's moment, and we're talking, but I think if we, and that's a painful exercise to go through and do those things, um, but, it, but it would really help us during this time. Good. Let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about the worship service itself. We've already kind of started to to deal with this, and so we have our, our Sunday morning worship gathering, and and we have things like, uh, which we've already talked about, we have things like the passing of the offering plate, we have uh, communion or Eucharist, and we have prayer times, um, uh, we have where our seating is, and, and then we also have the music that we do. Let's kind of go down through those things, if, if you would. Let's talk, let's talk first about, about offering. We've kind of touched on that a little bit, but and I know that many of us have had to go to some alternate ways uh, of giving offering. Uh, we're using online giving platforms. But, but what are some other very acceptable and safe ways to receive offering? I think a couple of ways. Again, I would stress the online. That's one of those things that many of our churches were not doing before. They got that in place. That needs to live. That needs to continue. Um, and, and that probably should be stressed as, is, hey, first, do this. If not, um, you could have a box at the, at the back that people could put their offering in. Um, if you have pews, there could even be um, maybe at the end of the pew, you know, like right inside, there could be a box and someone could drop the offering in as they're exiting. Um, as, we're, as we're planning for the social distancing, we're not going to be filling up pews. So um, it, it's not, I don't think that we have to worry about, you know, 15 people going through a pew. But so if we have boxes there, but, but some type of a collection thing. But as we're evaluating those, again, how do we keep multiple people from touching and handling the, the, same, the same thing? That's why we're trying to get away from offering plates. Exactly. Um, okay, let's talk about altar calls. We, I didn't mention that, but that's something we yeah. talked about earlier. Altar calls are, are a big part of who we are that's right. as Nazarenes. I mean, that's you know, right. most of us have altars in our churches. Those are sacred, special, holy moments for us. But as we move forward, what maybe needs to change there? I, I think that we need to, 
to, again, how, you know, what happens when people come to the altar? They come up, um, you know, people gather around them. Is there a way to do those type of things in a, in a different way? Um, I, I've seen, uh, let's talk about like family altar or open altars, you know, that happens during the service. Well, one thing that we know is if someone comes forward and kneels at the altar, they feel comfortable enough with, um, you know, that they don't need to be anonymous. You know, they're, they're putting themselves out there. During family prayer time, what if we had everybody seated and if somebody had a prayer need, they could remain standing or they could stand and then we're able to, to pray for that person. So instead of bringing them forward, they stay where they are. We could use something like that at the end of the service where, again, we're having people, instead of calling them to come forward, would you please stand and we want to pray for you? Um, would you would you raise your hand? There could be some ways that, again, people are making um, public declarations and, and we can pray for them and support them in prayer rather than bringing them forward where they're kneeling next to each other or inviting other people to come and pray for them. I think it's important for us to understand a lot of times we associate, and this is this whole exercise has been a great lesson in this, but we a lot of times we associate our worship of God with a facility, with a building. And, and one thing we have learned, hopefully, our churches have learned, is that our worship of, of God is not limited to these buildings. It's not limited right. to these campuses. And I would just suggest that, that our times where we're coming to an altar before God are not limited to these wooden and padded structures that we have in our sanctuaries and in our worship centers. Correct. Uh, coming before coming before God can happen. Your altar can be anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really more about a state of, of your heart. And so probably one of the best things we can do as pastors is not invite people to the altar no. ever uh, you know, right now. I, even the altar, I, I have, I've had people share with me before, and they would say, Pastor, I you know, when you give an altar call, I'm not sure what to do because I feel the Lord speaking to my heart. I feel like I need to respond, but I can't kneel with my knees or whatever. I can't physically do that. And, you know, what should I do? Um, And often, hey, come up and, you know, sit in the front row. But there are people, and partly what I'm trying to say is I think that we do, I mean, whether it was the coronavirus or whatever, but be a little more open-minded about how people can respond in a way, to the to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, if we limit it to, if you don't kneel at this altar, it doesn't really count. We should never be thinking that way. Right. Let's talk a little bit about communion. Um, you know, I know that uh, we've just come through the Easter season, which is a, a big time for the celebration of the Lord's Supper. Um, and many of our churches uh, uh, practice uh, communion, uh, celebrate Eucharist, you know, once, twice, some every weekend. What are some good practices for us as we look to that? Well, this is, wow, this is a, um, it's a, it's a big issue. Churches are, the, the good thing about this is, um, you know, I may not have the best answers, but there's a, every, every church is thinking about this so that there are a lot of solutions out there. Um, whether they're um, the, the prepackaged, which I'd heard recently, good luck finding any of those that you could, that you could purchase. Um, whether, again, you have um, elements that, that might already be placed at, at the seats. Um, and it isn't just that, that someone will get that and pass it on to the next person. But if I'm, if I'm sitting in a seat at a church, I want to know who prepared that, what kind of things um, made that safe for me to take this. So, again, how, how do you do those type of things? You know, assure everyone 
Um, the, the people that prepared our elements were wearing gloves. They were wearing masks to just communicate those things. Again, uh, probably not having people come forward to receive those or having them. Uh, but again, if we're in small groups, um, you know, I'm thinking of groups of, of 50, could those be, could there be elements and um, already at the rows or at the seats? Um, that's, that's one. I don't know, maybe you've heard some. Well, I, there's, as you said earlier, there's been a lot of discussion on this, and there are varying opinions. Obviously, within the Church of the Nazarene, we take the, the office of the clergy seriously uh, in regards to certain sacraments, and one of those is the sacrament of communion. And so there are varying opinions about this, um, uh, various schools of thought, if you will. And I would just encourage all of our pastors to, hopefully you're utilizing uh, your Center for Pastoral Leadership subscription, but in, in the CPLs, they have several great webinars, some pastors' roundtables that are being done. And there was one that uh, Dr. Middendorf hosted um, right before Easter, uh, in which he had several different individuals that were a part of that discussion. And this is one of the things they talked about. And his son, John Middendorf, who pastors in Oklahoma, was just saying, you know, for them, if, if I remember correctly, um, they actually just opted to put off the celebration of communion. And they're looking toward that day when they can be together once again, all together. And, and he was saying something, I listened to it again the other day, he was saying something about how they're just anticipating celebrating Easter big. They're mm -hmm. going to do it up big at some point. Right. Um, and so, I, you know, <clears throat> I understand that there may be some within our tribe, and, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to espouse doctrine of theology of the Church of Nazarene. There be some of it in our tribe who say, listen, it's absolutely inappropriate for us to not celebrate the Eucharist. Um, there may be some who say, if, a pa if an ordained pastor is not involved with that process, it's not correct. Um, and, and that's not the discussion we want to have here. Again, safety, number one. And number two, I guess I would just feel like whatever you as a pastor are comfortable doing. I'll tell you, for our Good Friday service, which is when we have communion around Easter time, we had instructed our church members to prepare for themselves communion elements at home. And, uh, and then I led a communion service online. And it was actually a very neat moment because we saw they were submitting pictures and sharing what they were doing. And, and many of them had the same elements that we would essentially have here if we were doing it here. You know, w when I was in seminary, I took a class on the sacraments. And my professor for, you know, pastors, I don't know if this name rings a bell, but it was Dr. Rob Staples. And, and you know, he impacted my life. I really love Dr. Staples. And a lot of what-if questions would come up with things about communion and baptism and, you know, what about this and what about this? And, and I remember Dr. Staples sharing, and it's, it's impacted me, but he used this term. He, he talked about the pastoral norm. And, and, there, and there are times, and I think it applies in this, there are times because of the situation, we're not just in the ideal. I mean, there is the normal. There is the, the, the rule of how things should be. But there's always the exception. And in the exception, he's like, you know, pastoral norm. If you've got somebody in a hospital bed, you know, how do you, and, and they're going to pass away. They, they, they need to be baptized. They want to be baptized. And it's like, oh, but it's norm, the pastoral norm is here's how we're going to do this. Here's how we're going to whatever. And we believe that God cooperates in that and God helps us in those. I think we're in one of those situations where it's like, okay, normally, 99 times out of 100, we wouldn't be doing communion this way. But this is the exception. 
And I think God, God understands that, and God is with us in these, in these ways, these pastoral norms of doing things like the sacraments. There's nothing normal about this. The, the running joke has been, uh, I, I must have missed the pandemic class in seminary, right? That's nobody, right. Nobody taught us how to deal with any of these things, but yet here we are, and we're navigating these waters. Along those lines, uh, I want to tell you that it, when we do post this video, uh, we're also going to put this out on our podcast. In the show notes and in the notes of the video, we're going to list some links to, to several other really great resources, some of them coming from, uh, from our state, um, some of them coming from some other pastoral resources. There are, are a lot of really valuable Absolutely. things being taught and being said. Um, and, and, and I, I'm an, I like, I like to read. <laughs> so I like to take in as much information as I possibly can. And I don't agree with everything. I don't agree right. with everything I read. And I've watched a lot of videos. I've listened to a lot of podcasts over the past couple of months. And I have not agreed with everything. In fact, some of our pastors may watch it and go, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. And I think that's okay. It's okay to not agree as long as we're being safe. Um, and understanding that everybody's context is going to be the way we do things here in New Philadelphia is not the way that some of the other churches here are going to do it in town or, or even in our district and beyond. So um, it's important to, to soak up as much as you can as you lead through this time. Let me, let me throw out just some, uh, these might be some, I don't know if I call them principles, but things to think as you make decisions and evaluate. Um, the first thing I, I, I think is for you as the pastor and for the leaders in your church, you have to set the tone for your congregation. Um, people will, let me read a couple of my notes here. What will people do when they come back? They will do what they've done in the past. They will do what, what they see other people do. They're going to do what they're told. So if we give people no instruction and if we don't model things in a correct way, they're just going to revert back to pre-corona and, and do their own thing. So don't get upset at your people if they're, if they're not, you know, conducting themselves in a safe way or the way, the way they should if you've not instructed them. So give them some direction. It's very important for our pastors and the leaders of our church to model these things. So if, if we think it's important that people are wearing masks in worship and you've got half your church board that says, well, I'm not comfortable and I don't, I don't like that and I'm not going to do that, that is directly going to work against what you're trying to communicate to your congregation. We need our people being on board. And we understand that the stakes in this are higher than, well, I just don't like that or that's not comfortable. We're beyond our personal preferences and our, and our personal comforts. We're, we're for the body of our, of our faith community, and we're trying to do things to help this. This isn't just about Dave Lutz and what I like and what I, what's comfortable for me, but it's also how I'm impacting other people. Set the tone. Um, as the pastor, set the tone as, as leaders. Um, model it, give them instruction, and then repeat it over-communicate these type of things. Um, let, let me just share a couple of other. These are just kind of principles that I've used in making decisions. Um, if you make a mistake, in what direction do you want that mistake to be? So, for instance, if, um, you know, let's talk about, like, water fountains. You know, we talked about bathrooms. Well, let's just go back because we talked about bathrooms. If you make a mistake about whether or not your bathroom should be open or closed, well, if you're wrong, 
in what direction do you want? I'd rather be wrong that my bathrooms were closed and we kept people safe than we had them open and somebody got sick because of the bathrooms. So we are going to make mistakes. We are going to make decisions that probably weren't correct. But when you make those mistakes, what direction do you want that to be? We want it to be on the safety of people. Um, Pastor Mark, I always use this. Um, I'm willing to create small problems to solve big problems. One of the mistakes that we, we get when we have to make decisions is, hey, I think that we should do this. And someone will say, well, if you do that, you know, this is going to happen. And, we're, and we search after these perfect scenarios and perfect decisions. And because we can't find perfect, then we end up just kind of getting caught and not doing anything. What are the big problems we need to solve? Identify those big problems. And if those create small problems, I can live with the small problems. I think the big problem is keeping people safe, right? So if you say, well, again, let's go back to that bathroom. Well, um, if we have the bathrooms and, and someone's child needs to go to the bathroom, what, you know, what are we going to do? That's the smaller problem. The bigger problem is how are we keeping people safe? And then I'm, I'm going to go back. My, when I first started pastoring, my district superintendent, his name was Jack Schenkel, and I love Dr. Schenkel. And one of the comments that he always said, he said, reverse is a great gear. And, and you kind of said this earlier. We do things, but we don't have to be, there's going to be a time where we're able to get in reverse, and we're able to move backwards of that. We maybe make decisions, and we say, this is the way it's going to be, and then we see how it plays out, and we're like, well, that wasn't the way I thought it was going to be, or, or boy, I overblew that. Well, reverse is a great gear. We can always go backwards. One of the things I've, I've said sometimes is leader, a leader is the person that's willing to stick their neck out first so it can get cut off. And so as you lead in your church, you may have to stick your neck out, and you may get a couple whacks. You may get some people say, I don't understand why we're doing this. But someone, A, someone has to lead. Right. Someone has to be willing to lead. Uh, and, and, but also when you stick your neck out, if you were wrong, there's also nothing wrong with saying, you know what, that was not the right decision. Yes. And, and, and taking a step back and saying, okay, now we know this, so we're going to go this direction. And we know this, this whole situation, it is so fluid. It's changing what we know one day things are happening. I think what's going to be very interesting. The first Sunday that, that churches, you know, the majority of churches are back to worship. We're going to learn so much. We're going to learn, hey, this is, this is something that this church did that, that went very well. This is something that did not go well. Um, there are going to be changes we're going to need to make week one to week two for all of this. I think one of the misconceptions has been there's been a, a meme that's been floating around social media, and I think it's of Chris Farley coming into yeah. one of these late-night talk shows, and, of course, he's just running up and down the aisles and slapping hands with everybody like, that's going to be my first sunny back. No, it's not. That's not going to be your first sunny back. It just simply cannot be that way. Here's how things change. Um, a friend of mine had a post on Facebook that I thought was funny. And, and he said, um, whenever I'm watching a movie or a TV show right now and I see people hug, it makes me very uncomfortable. And, and I thought about that. And, and it's, it's really weird because at first, when all of this was kind of coming with social distancing, I felt so uncomfortable not shaking someone's hand or not greeting them, you know, hugging them. But that, it just felt disrespectful or impolite. Um, now... If somebody, you know, 
comes up to me too close, I'm 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 kind of stepping back, and right. it makes me uncomfortable when I see people too close together. Right. There's definitely going to be a lot of changes that we're facing as, as we come forward. Um, so, and and I'll I'll just say this, you know, as, as we prepare to finish here, that we probably have not covered all the bases. There's probably some things that that even you know every day. I know some of us every, wait every day in anticipation of what's the governor going to say, and sometimes we learn something and go, oh. We have to kind of change our plan now. I know for us, it's basically when one week at a time, right. one week at a time. And so, uh, you know, the purpose of this for us today is as there are certain things that we know as far as the phases going back into and some things that's been communicated by um, our, our state administration and by our national administration. And to kind of help some of you pastors and church leaders think about some of these very practical things for when we begin to reopen our doors. And at the very beginning of this, we talk about things that need to live. Um, some of our online presence, what you've done as pastors and churches, I, Pastor Mark, the stories that I have heard are just, they bring me to tears as pastors tell me. We've seen people, multiple people get saved. We've seen people, you shared a story with me earlier today uh, about a, a family and um, they knew about our, the church here at New Philadelphia, but it, it's through your your presence online. And they're like, when I can start coming to church, this is where I'm going to, this is going to be my new church home. Um, this is something that needs to continue to live. Uh, this hasn't, you know, what you've been doing online is not just a, a stopgap measure for, you know, six weeks or two months to help us get through this. And, and I think that you've discovered the effectiveness and the, the impact that this has made. Um, I could go on and on, but I, I think one of the things I, I've that's struck in my heart, um, pastors and churches, we never harvest where we don't plant. And I think many churches are harvesting sometimes things that they planted a year ago, six months. And it gets very discouraging as a pastor where, you know, we, we plant, we plant, we plant, and we don't see a harvest. And we often think the harvest is that somebody's going to walk through those doors and sit in these seats. But we've seen a harvest of souls coming to the kingdom of God and coming to salvation. It's made a difference. And that harvest is happening because you've planted and I think we need to keep that in our mind, that even during these next months where things begin to, uh, to open up, how do we get involved? This is a whole other thing that we haven't talked about. There is going to be incredible need across our communities, incredible need. How do we as a church get into that need? That's where the church, and especially the Church of the Nazarene, has always excelled. We're not just about getting people, how do we get them to come to church? But how do we get the church to the people. Those have been conversations. We're going to have this need in front of us. And and I think that that's something we need to, um, that's another conversation. Absolutely. That is another great conversation that, that needs to be had. Uh, Ed Stetzer said when this whole thing started, he said, the crisis is not getting your church online. The crisis is how do we respond to what's going to be happening in our communities. And and so uh, I think it's a valid point. Maybe, maybe we should sit down and have another conversation and talk so. about how we how we extend the arm of compassion into our community in the coming days, weeks, and months, because that's going to be a very, very real challenge for us. Pastor yeah. Dave, I'm going to ask for you to pray. Would you pray for these pastors I, and to I close sure out our will. time today? And again, I just, 
one more thing that, that you mentioned. We're going to be sharing with you some resources yes. because I know that there's, there's a thousand details that Pastor Mark and I have not gone over. We, we know that. And you might have some questions. And we're going to be sharing some, uh, some of those information, you know, that you can go to, that you can get with your leaders and, You'll, and you talk You can check the show notes for the podcast. You can check the show notes in the notes for the videos. Uh, wherever these end up being posted, we'll try to make sure that those things are shared um, so that you can see some additional links with some additional information. And, all, and as always, I know Pastor Dave would say this, you can always reach out to him. And if you have questions, you can reach out to us. We are not getting it all right, but we're doing the best we can. So we're willing to be a resource and help. And I know there's a lot of other pastors on the district that are really uh, you know, setting set high marks um, and, and, and really learning a lot. All of us are, quite frankly. So really, but that's this, about community and networking with one another because exactly. you'll learn a lot just by networking. Exactly. And and I think that some of the stuff that, again, we're talking about, it's, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. It's like, oh, my goodness, there's the so time. much. <laughs> and and some of these resources, what they'll do is, is, in fact, we were talking about one before, and there's almost like a punch list of things. So it lists all of the different items, and you can sit down, you yourself or with your leaders, and, hey, let's talk about this and what's our decision yeah. that will guide you where you don't feel like I'm just, you know, there's so much to do. There's so much to talk about. I don't even know where to start. Absolutely, Good. Let's pray. pray. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. And um, where can we go that we are not in your presence? And your love abounds. Your love is with us. And we thank you so much for that. The God, we might be isolated. Um, there, there are some people who we, we feel alone a lot. But, but God, you are with us. And we appreciate that. One thing that I, I know, God, and it gives me encouragement in this, is, is by the power of the Holy Spirit, you always, always help us to respond and meet the needs that are in front of us. You, you've promised us that. You give us. It's not all about us. You don't just say, uh, Pastor, get this right. Figure this out. But you fill us and empower us with your Holy Spirit and give us the, the, the insight and the wisdom and the energy that we need to, to make these things possible. You are with us. And, Lord, if you are with us, why do we need to be afraid? We thank you for that, God. So encourage us, be near to us, inspire us, and anoint us in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you for your leadership for the district. I, I want to shake your been, hand, but, the, but know, you know, no, we, we just shouldn't do that. Elbows, but, uh, <laughs> thanks for your leadership for the district. I know this has You're been a challenging time, I know, for, for all of us, and you're pastoring the pastors, and so that's been a challenge. And when he showed up at my office today, he was kind of like, this is so weird. I'm not in my basement. And so uh, it, I'm glad to see you face-to-face. -face. I thank you for your time. And I think maybe we'll talk about maybe getting together again and talking about some other practical ministry things as we move forward. Thank you all for Good. watching. I hope this helped you. And uh, I look forward to when we get to gather together again as a district. Have a blessed day. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. We do truly hope that it was helpful to you and encouragement to you. Uh, pastors and church leaders as you seek to reopen your doors to your congregation once again. Uh, be sure to check out our other podcasts available on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about the ministries of New Philadelphia Nazarene, you can visit us on the web at www.npnaz.org or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. God bless you. We're praying for you. Have a wonderful day.